Good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk, The Pastor is In. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, well, the program's designed for someone just like me. There's a lot I don't understand. It doesn't necessarily have to be something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep theological chapter and verse discussion, a casual front porch style talk with a pastor is often the best way to understanding. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Pastor Andrew Price of St. Paul and Trinity Lutheran Churches in Iowa. Now, I have my questions. I'm sure you have yours. You can send your questions by email at any time to Let's Talk at kfuo.org or call during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, call us at area code 314-821-0850. Otherwise, if you're anywhere in North America, call us toll-free at 800-730-2727. Pastor Preuss, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. Pastor, I keep forgetting which cities in Iowa you're from. I mean, I know that you actually have two congregations up there, so where are they? Yeah, I don't know if they're um, technically cities. I remember learning in college that a city has to have at least 5,000 people in it. Um, so, uh, But uh, they're uh, Guttenberg, Iowa, and McGregor, Iowa, northeast Iowa, right on the Mississippi River. And so I live in Guttenberg, but I serve uh, two congregations, one in Guttenberg and the other in McGregor. Well, I used to live in Iowa. I was in uh, lived in Des Moines for a couple, three years. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that you were uh, you had a radio um, a radio show up there, huh? Yeah, uh, WHO Radio. I was the uh, what was I? I was the managing editor there, and I did uh, I was the morning anchor. So, oh, okay. Had a lot of stuff to do up there. I'd been there were the winters. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, you know it's interesting. I grew up in um, northern Minnesota with very extreme temperatures where it would be negative 40 in the winter sometimes and it would get easily up to 100 in the in the summer and then but down in iowa it seems i mean it's it's a similar climate but it's what i've noticed is that it's a lot more humid and it, it seems like it gets humid the farther down the mississippi you go i remember does. going to st louis around this time of year and or, or july Oh man, that was I don't envy you down there. <laughs> when they say it's ninety degree, when they say it's ninety outside in St. Louis, you don't know if they're talking about the temperature or the humidity. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now I used to live in uh, speaking of wet, I used to live in another place was down in Mobile, Alabama. When you're in this business as a broadcaster, you're just a white collar migrant worker. <laughs> you go where the jobs are. And uh, boy, after a couple of days you could bend soda crackers. Oh, I bet. Well yeah, I remember when I was uh um, I, I served as a, as a camp counselor when I was 19 at Camp Adesica, which is the, which interestingly is the camp that, that is the district, the district camp where in the district where I serve right now as a pastor. So, um, but anyway, I remember bringing my, my cell phone. I, I would always use my cell phone as an alarm clock. And it happened once or twice that I was late to morning, uh, matins, um, because my, I'd set my alarm on my phone and it was so humid that my that my phone got all messed up because of the water in the air. <laughs> so I'd wake up at like seven fifty or something like that and be like, Oh, we're late, let's go. <laughs> Well, I remember the old days when we used to have um, analog wristwatches instead of I'm wearing a digital now, but I remember sometimes the uh the humidity would actually 
fog over the the crystal on the inside. Boy. <laughs> yeah, oh. that's, uh, incredible. Well, old-time St. Louisans know what I'm talking about. Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've got a lot going on, and uh, we've had uh, something that's happened in Washington, D.C. this uh, this week that has enormous implications on things that are said and are not said, things that were decided and not decided. And I'm referring specifically to the Supreme Court ruling on Masterpiece Cake Shop. And just to recap it briefly, the owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop is a gentleman by the name of Jack Phillips. And he has a shop where he sells baked goods and cakes, but he also makes custom cakes for, for special events. A few years ago, a gay couple came in and wanted him to make a cake celebrating their marriage. And Jack, a devout Christian, said, I can't do that. For me to lend my artistic ability to create a cake celebrating gay marriage means that I'm participating and approving of it. And my faith says, I can't do that. Well, the gay couple took it to... uh, Several commissions and court battles were fought, and Jack was penalized. He lost about 40% of his business. He was told that he could not bake any cakes, period. And wedding cakes were about 40% of his business. And finally went up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled that Jack was within his rights, but it was because the Colorado Civil Rights Commission was so openly hostile to his religious argument. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of things have not been answered yet. I mean, what, what if, if they had, what if the commission had hided its anti-religious bigotry and just was polite about it? Yeah. And I have, uh, I have uh, some gay friends and gay acquaintances who are absolutely convinced that uh, Jack Phillips is the worst kind of bigot there is. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> What do we do? What do we do as Christians? What do we do as Lutherans? Are we ever permitted to to do something that we find is contrary to to what our beliefs are? I mean, uh, you and I had a, a had a, an, an email discussion on that, and we discussed earlier about well, you know, Saint Paul's discussion on eating uh, meat sacrificed to idols, or uh, what? What about? Uh, one, uh, one, uh, I forgot who, I think it was Nauman, who yeah. he didn't want to worship any other god, but his duties included holding up his master while his master bowed to a, to a false god. Yeah. These are some interesting questions from our point of view. So let's, let's start with that and see where the conversation leads us. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, I think what we're dealing with in our culture today is, um, a fruition of uh, of the Christian faith not being mainstream as much as it used to be, and uh, and you know what does that mean? I mean, I suppose it it it, it means that uh, that a moral compass has has changed a bit, but uh, but we got to really go back to to the beginning. I was just reading a an, a, an article with a, a pastor friend of mine this morning, um, a guy named. Uh, Carl Kaler, who was uh, an old Lutheran uh, theologian um, from the, uh, well, sort of from the Wisconsin Synod, but but anyway, we uh, he, he was talking about, you know, the, the believers and unbelievers from the beginning, and he was centering on uh, Genesis 4 and 5, and what's really interesting, in, in Genesis 4, you have this chronology of Cain 
and this uh, this litany of uh, of amazing achievements. But these guys didn't have anything else to build on, and yet they were working with copper, with music, poetry, um, and uh, and then it ends. That chapter four ends with then Adam and Eve. Uh, uh, you know, Adam knew Eve, and then Eve gave birth to Seth, and Seth then begat Enos, and um, and then they began to proclaim the name of the Lord. And so the legacy of the world is great achievements, and the legacy of the believers is calling on God and proclaiming Him and confessing the the, the promise. Um, which is which is kind of hidden in what Eve says when she says that uh, she names him Seth because he has uh, taken the place of Abel. You know, the substitute that it comes from the the, the, the root, as Isaiah describes in in, in fifty three. You know, the root uh, dry ground. And so I think we we got to really get back to that basic that what is it that the world values and what is it that we value we value calling on the name of the Lord. And so what is the world to me, right, as the hymn goes? You know, the world seeks after wealth and all this stuff. And um, and so when we look at this case specifically, as you pointed out, it doesn't set much of a precedent. I mean, it seems like it's it, it's good for, uh, for uh, is it Phillips, is that his name? Um, the, 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 the baker? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, it's good. It, it, we should give thanks that 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 his business was uh, was saved. Um, but uh, we need to really understand what our main priority is, what our only priority is, and that is to confess Christ and give thanks to God for whatever He might give us here on earth, and um, and and just not be surprised when. We lose our businesses, um, and so you know. Going to you, you talk about the, you know, we, like we talked about in our email discussion about the uh, the meat sacrifice to idols. I think the point there that Paul's making is, you know, to the to the pure, all things are pure, and you your your main concern is to confess Christ and love your neighbor, and 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 that is to not set a stumbling block before your neighbor unnecessarily. So. I mean, let's so so. Let's say you're a baker and you make wedding cakes or whatever, and someone comes in and wants a cake, and you just you don't know, and you you could probably tell that they're gay or something. I mean, and they just want you to make them a cake, and they're not necessarily saying it's for a wedding. Well, then, I mean, I'm sure that he would have been fine with that. I mean, he's not going to discriminate on who he. No, in fact, uh, Philip said specifically that he would bake a specialty cake for this couple for anything else, for a birthday, for a shower, anything along those lines. He simply wouldn't do it for a wedding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and that's, uh, and so that really, uh, what the struggle that he has had to go through, um, which is a good struggle for, for all of us to go through, is, is um, you know, that distinction between doing good to all people um, and yet not compromising on what is true. And, uh, and so, you know, with, with, uh, you know, with Naaman, where he has to hold up in his duty, he has to allow his master to lean on him, because that's part of his duties while he worships a false god. Um, you know, it's kind of like, 
it's kind of like uh, uh, working for your your maybe your boss is Jewish or something, and he he uh, observes the Sabbath, and so you work on Saturday so he can go and not work. You know, like your what you're doing is helping him so that he can go and um, worship false gods. But really, for you, it's you're just doing your duty, and, uh, and it's, it's similar to kind of paying taxes. Um, rendering to Caesar what is what is his because we know this all comes from God anyway. So, I mean, it again. These are how is this going to be in the future? Um, I would say it's that there. It's really hard to predict the specific circumstances. Um, but I think that this man um, Phillips is a good example um, of the struggle, the necessary struggle that we that we as Christians must go through to. Uh, to confess our Lord and not, um, and, and, and it's, you know, that you can't, I don't, I'm afraid that you, you can't necessarily write a, 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 a manual that's, that's, that's going to give every little detail. Well, I um, wish they had one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, the main thing is to, uh, is to confess. I mean, and this is the thing is that we get ourselves into, uh, we find ourselves in situations where there's no, it's just not a good situation, and we commend ourselves to God. Um, you know, you might, I mean, take this, stick with the, the, the subject of weddings, for example. I mean, is it a good thing to um, be a groomsman at a wedding where you know that they have been living in, uh, living in cohabitation and despising marriage and... Um, and they're not repentant, and they're having a they're having some hireling from some church or some justice of the peace marry them, and you go and you stand up with them. You know that's one thing too that I, I don't hear a lot about that either. And maybe that's a conversation that that we could have. You know what is the you know you get these mainstream kind of issues that come up, and uh, and and it's good that they come up so that we can examine, you know, what is what is it that this man is actually trying to do? He's trying to be faithful to his word, and so we should examine then in our. It's not just about homosexual marriage uh, or this or that popular social issue. It's about calling on the name of the Lord. Well, I and, remember and, uh, yeah. back back when I was in Iowa, uh, there was a an acquaintance of mine there. In fact, I was a coworker. Um, uh, got married, but the marriage was the result of an adulterous relationship. Hmm. Um, he was single, she was married, she left her husband, the whole thing. And I remember I being invited to their wedding and saying, my God, what can I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't recognize this as a marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, they found a church that would take them. I mean, obviously they weren't Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember thinking, what do I do in this case? Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, and and sometimes, you know, you might have... Uh, uh, you know, I was... I, I found myself in a situation where... A similar situation where I, I didn't really know, and I kind of got caught off guard. And then suddenly I was just kind of in that... in that situation, and there was no... there was no getting out of it. And... All I had to do was pray to God, hallowed be thy name. <laughs> Give me the courage and the strength to speak the truth. Thy will and, be done. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so that, 
and that I think when you're when you're when you find yourself in these helpless situations and you're praying to God and asking him to guard his name and guard his word and and his faith that he gives through his word and his um and his will then you're in a really good spot and we should take encouragement from that and i i'm afraid that things are going to get this is not over as we as we can see from the supreme court decision i mean it's not they basically like you said they basically just said um they were out to get him they were they were unfair um to him and they basically based it off of that they they uh you know they ruled in his favor and so so this you know we we all know that this is not this is not over and uh so i mean this brings up other questions too you know like uh do do you you know with with uh you know boycotting and stuff like that mm-hmm. um you know do i remember i was like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna buy coffee at Starbucks because they give money to Planned Parenthood and stuff like that, you know. But then I find out that, like, Target and um, the, the Kohl's and, you know, like, all these companies do, and it's... And after a while, it's like, what, are you just going to boycott everything? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you but sometimes you have to make a stand, I suppose. I mean, there was... Yeah. Um, I don't go to Starbucks simply because I think the coffee's overpriced, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. I, I can think of one retail store that I simply won't go into because of the bathroom policy. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't make a big deal of it. It's not a boycott per se, or I guess maybe it is. I'd simply say, I won't go there. I won't shop yeah. at that place. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I think what that demonstrates is that this really, these things just kind of come up. And you got to make, you got to make a concession um, when you're called upon to do so. And um, and and so it's, it's, uh, it, it's not, you know, and then you kind of it kind of sets precedent for other things, and then you know, um, you you know, you 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 learn, you kind of you kind of pack it away and say, okay, I'm not going to that place, and that because of this, and so I'm not going, and so that kind of becomes sort of a rule for you. But the thing about confessing Christ, confessing His Word and His truth, um, is that it's often thrown upon you to do it. And uh, so you know when for you know when you you decide not to go into that store because of their bathroom policy, you are responding to something that you're responding not merely to a social political kind of hot button issue, but you're responding to the, the you know the spirit of the air, you know the, the kind of the spirit of the time that is uh, you're taking a stand against not flesh and blood but against the the devil and. Uh, and it's about truth. And so, you know, for, for bakers, it seems as though, you know, with, um, uh, it, like if I were a baker, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make, I wouldn't bake a cake for, uh, for a gay wedding. And I don't know how much of that is, is so much simply because, um, you know, I, I mean, it's simply because, uh, just out of principle, I wouldn't do that. I mean, part of it is that I don't believe in, you know, gay marriage. God didn't institute that. But also, I think a, a part of it too is is um, supporting those who have had to suffer for that confession that they've made, and uh, and that the the confession, the, the confessions that we make, they need to come out of true heart of faith, and 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 not just a, um, uh, you know, a, a kind of. A, 
moral crusade, you know, it, not just kind of a prideful crusade that we're going to we're going to somehow stick it to them, but that we, we humbly stand before God and we want to confess his truth and we want to support other Christians who have had to suffer for the same. So I think that that kind of set the precedent for us as well. And, and again, going back, you know, we got to ask ourselves, what's our true treasure? It's, it's calling on the name of the Lord. It's, it's preaching the word of God, confessing him and, and, and the world, you know, they're going to have all their, all their goodies. And sometimes we just won't have that. <laughs> That's true. And sometimes we might just lose our business. And didn't Jesus tell us this kind of stuff would happen? So we need to be prepared for that. And well, well, that doesn't mean that we don't fight for this stuff. And we don't. And we should try do our best to try to use the means that God has given us. Well, here, here's a question time. for you. Um, we can agree as Lutherans and as Christians that gay marriage is an oxymoron. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what would happen, for example, say I was. A, if you or I were invited to a traditional marriage for a Jewish couple, hmm. yeah, where they're man and woman, but they're not Christian, yeah. So what would we do there? My my initial inclination is to say, yeah, I'd go because that is a man and woman, even though they're Jewish, they can still hear mm -hmm. the word of the God. They, they'll hear the word of God. They can. Mm -hmm. I can talk to them about Jesus, they will probably throw it back in my face, but yep. I don't find what they're doing morally reprehensible. Yeah, no, I think that that's, that you, I think you nailed it there, that that's exactly, I mean, the thing about marriage is that it's a, uh, it is a domestic estate, it's created by God, you know, in creation. I mean, you, this is something that kind of distinguishes us from the Roman Catholic Church, is that they just don't, they don't acknowledge it as a real marriage unless it's, it's it's in the church because they look at it as a sacrament, and um, that's something we took issue with them um, in the uh, the apology, the Augsburg Confession, Article Thirteen. We talk about how you know if if we define everything as a sacrament that has a divine mandate, well then we can call civil magistrates a sacrament. <laughs> um, and but the the thing about marriage is that marriage is a is is a uh, uh, is, is a creation, is an institution of God in creation. We create the, the human race. And so if a Jewish couple gets married, and let's say he's a friend of yours, you can encourage him to be faithful to his wife and, you know, acknowledge that, yeah, that actually is a marriage. So that's a difference. I mean, if two men try to get married, well, it's not a marriage. So, I mean, so, and then, like you said, you could talk to them about Jesus, and they might throw it back in your face, and that's fine. Um, blessed are you, you know? And so the, 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 what God desires of us is to fear, love, and trust in him. It's the first commandment. And that, is, uh, and that, that means that we, we confess him, we be true to what he teaches us. And, um, and so, like, what you, you know, that you're going to find yourself in situations all the time. And, I mean, for me, like, I've, I've, I've realized this with, with friends who didn't grow up in a, in a very strong uh, Christian uh, um, or, or Lutheran um, uh, family, and that they find themselves in these situations much more often than I do. I mean, I just consider who my friends are. I don't think, I mean, I had, sure, I had friends growing up who weren't Lutheran or weren't Christian. I've been, I've been around that, but now that I'm a pastor, you know, yeah. and uh, I mean, my friends are, I mean, all basically Lutherans. And, and, uh, not that I don't keep in contact with some who aren't, but you know, but for the most part, that's I don't really see, I don't foresee myself 
attending many weddings that are not, you know, following like Vespers with a great sermon and awesome Lutheran names. You know, that's just kind of that's kind of my life. So uh, I don't have to worry about that as much as as maybe some of my parishioners might have to. And so I think the best uh, the best thing to remember is that yeah, you're going to find yourself in these situations, but like you said, confess Christ, be faithful, and um, and and uh, you can we God is still God still rules through marriage, even if those people don't believe. Mm-hmm. He still rules in that left hand kingdom way, you know, um, and uh, that is through His law, through natural law. But when it comes to people trying to deny even that, well, then we do need to take a stand and say, um, no, that's uh, we're you know th- this is this is about confessing what God has created. And so, if you attend, I mean, if you attend a wedding that's not Christian, um, I would not be a part of the wedding. I would. Uh, that's what I mean. My advice would be if someone asks you to be a groomsman and he's just having some pagan wedding or some just secular kind of non-christian wedding i would i would i would uh, my advice would be just politely say no i i want to stand where when i if i'm standing up there in a public ceremony i want it to be honoring christ you know it's a similar kind of thing that why we uh we have um uh historically not allowed uh, uh membership in the lodges because i mean yeah they, sure they have they might have some natural they, they believe in natural law. They acknowledge that there's a God and stuff like that. But when you're publicly joining yourself to this kind of quasi-religious institution, and really a very religious institution, and yet they're not honoring Christ, you know, that then there's the problem. Then that's, uh, you're defeating the entire purpose. So I think that there is some, there is some, some guidelines and, and wisdom that you can, that you can take when you, when you approach these kinds of things. And, and to always ask yourself, Am I confessing Christ? Am I giving full honor to His name? And um, and I think if you're sitting there, you respectfully in the pew or in the seat or whatever, just there to kind of encourage him to be faithful to his spouse, um, to his wife, then um, you know you can you can do that. Um, but uh, but you got to kind of always always remember why you are put on earth, and that is to confess. To, to proclaim the, the the wonders of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, Pastor, we got to take a break here, uh, this being at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we got, we got a lot more to unpack here. We are really opening up a can of worms. I hope that we can get some listeners calling in on this, because this is one heck of a heavy issue. We'll be right back on uh, Let's Talk. The Pastor is in. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 122, verse 1. Each weekday, the servants of God at the LCMS International Center gather together to receive the gifts of God in His Word. I invite you to join us weekdays, 10 a.m., for a live broadcast of daily chapel services. 
on KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Hi, this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark. And this is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky. Matt, I'm trying to think what would be a good theme verse for uh, wrestling with the basics, like John 3.16? Or... Well, I think I've got one, John. Yeah? Uh, how about Acts 2, verse 15? What is it? For these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. That's perfect! All right, now, there's no time for foolishness. Wrestling, wrestling with, with the, the basics. basics. 9.05 Saturday mornings on KFUO. Where we take God's word seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. Have you mixed your pain meds, your sleep meds, your allergy meds? Call the Poison Helpline. Has your child eaten a tube of toothpaste, a chip of paint, a wild mushroom? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you been bitten by a spider, a snake, an insect? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org slash careers. Here's your clue. It was the first book printed in English in the Americas and is considered one of the most historic volumes in American religious history. What is the Bay Psalm book? But did you know the Bay Psalm book was first printed in the colonies in 1640 and in reissues remained in use for over 100 years. Originally, colony residents looked to a committee of 30 men, led by John Eliot, Thomas Weld, and Richard Mather, to translate all 150 psalms from Hebrew into English. The communal singing of the psalms from the Bay Psalm Book served to instill a strong sense of unity among Puritans of the day. Engage with the Bible in all its unifying influence over the centuries. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen, and my guest pastor today is Pastor Andrew Price from St. Uh, St. Uh, Paul's and Trinity Lutheran up in Iowa. We are discussing the questions that have been raised in the Masterpiece Cake Shop case that was just heard before the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Pastor Price, I want to get a little bit into the left-hand kingdom on this, if you don't mind, and get, try to get some guidance on this. Sure. Now, whether we like it or not... The government, the left-hand kingdom, recognizes gay marriage as legal. That was decided in the Obergefell case. So how do we as Lutherans and as Christians who do not recognize it as a legitimate marriage handle it? Can we simply say, okay, the state has mandated it as such. We recognize it as a civil contract between two consenting adults, but it is not, in our view, a spiritual union that is sanctioned by God. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's, I mean, there's a difference between um, natural law and and popular law. Popular law is that which the populace 
through 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 its officials um, determined is law in popular law. The idea is that it should be based on natural law, and, and it's, it's an interesting thing in the United States. Um, I took a class in uh, I was a political science major in college, and I took this uh, class on uh, constitutional um, con- uh, it was constitutional law and, and the Supreme Court. So we went through a bunch of Supreme Court decisions, and there was that that sodomy case back in the 80s uh, was a Hartwig Bowers versus Hartwig, and uh, I remember reading the uh, the the decision. They they ruled they ruled against they ruled in favor of uh, of the, the the state of Georgia who they had an anti sodomy law. Um, and, uh, where, you know, a guy was a homosexual man was caught, uh, in the act of sodomy. There was a warrant for his arrest because he threw a beer bottle and, uh, and he didn't show up for his court date. And so anyway, so then, so it was brought to the Supreme court and they ruled in favor of the state. And one of, in the popular opinion, um, or the majority opinion, he, he made I remember him making a big argument from natural law and from uh and that this has always been understood that 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 homosexual union is uh is not legitimate and uh and what I remember reading it and thinking this is I can totally see how this ended up being overturned in two thousand three with the uh uh was the Lawrence v Texas uh case which is a very similar case, and then it went the other way. And then sodomy laws were, were outlawed, um, and you couldn't, you couldn't uh, outlaw sodomy in the States anymore. Um, and I, I could see that what, what, uh, what was going on in the popular um, kind of the popular laws is that they were not basing things really on natural law as much as they were basing things on sort of a, almost like a universal kind of accepted norm. And that's what we're dealing with as Christians. And so what we, what we as Christians need to realize is that God is still the God of, um, of nature. He created it. And so, yes, we can say, we can, we can acknowledge that the government has made these decisions um, and have defined, tried to define what, uh, uh, contrary to what God has defined, um, we don't, uh, we, 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 we still pay our revenue and stuff like that, um, the, uh, and, and we do it as uh, knowing that we're free in, in Christ, and that we are really under no obligation except to love one another. Um, and then we leave it to the judgment of God. So, I mean... I, another thing that you know, there was that one lady. I can't remember her name, but she, she was a an official who refused to. It was it where was that? Was that in? Oh, it's at that Tennessee, or no? She was Kentucky, I believe. A, a, a clerk down there. Yeah, yeah, she was a, a clerk. Yeah, exactly. And so she she refused to issue one, issue a a, a marriage certificate to uh, homosexuals, yeah. and then was you know jailed and stuff like that, and. You know, she's in that station in life where she's actually a governing official, and she needs to then say, okay, well, what is the standard? And I would say that she did the right thing. But the, the, the most important thing that God requires of us in, in confessing him 
is to suffer the consequences. And we just got to realize that. So, I mean, if you're not, if you're not in that position where you have to, where you are required by your job to say, you know, this is, uh, this is, uh, what marriage is when you don't believe it. If you're not in that situation, well, then you could just say, well, yeah, you know, the government, you can kind of live, live a quiet life. But if you are, you often, you know, you're going to find yourself, you're not at liberty to agree with, um, with what the government has said. But her problem was that the government changed the rules on her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When she first took the job, it wasn't an issue. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And that, you know, that this is, uh, we, we, we really got to, remember this distinction between natural law and popular law because because the, the natural law is what is that law that God has ingrained on on the conscience of men as Paul describes in uh, in in Romans and we are just simply not at liberty to deny that now um, you know this is uh, I, I think it really does come down to the uh, the willingness to suffer and I have, uh, I was talking to my, one of my elders, um, you know, who, uh, who, you know, works, he works at some company, um, and even management and stuff. And they have this, this diversity training or something like that. And he was gone. He was on vacation. So he didn't go to it. And, uh, and we were kind of talking about that, you know, what, you know, of course in this diversity training, they're, they're talking about, uh, how you know you're you're supposed to uh, approve of transgender stuff, homosexuality and all that stuff. And of course, he doesn't believe in that, and he kind of he kind of uh, he kind of got uh, got off the hook because because uh, he was gone. But is it going to come up again? We were kind of talking about that, and, and uh, oh, I guess what I said was uh, you know. You got to really look at it hard and see, like, if they're forcing you to just sit in on a class, well, anyone who's gone to a university other than one of, you know, a Lutheran Christian school actually believes the Bible, um, you know, you've had to sit through some pretty rotten stuff. I mean, <laughs> I went to uh, I went to the University of Minnesota Morris, and you know, I sit in there and listen to everyone give the the new orthodoxy on on all sorts of things that are totally contrary to the Bible, and I would often sit there and just listen, and then um, I often though couldn't couldn't just keep quiet because I kind of have a big mouth, so I would I'd speak up, but but I think that there's something about that. I mean, again, going back to the whole suffering the yoke of God, the yoke that God puts on you. And that's another thing we got to remember is that if God is the God of nature, that if he's the God who has created it, then we really got to understand that God is a, he's a, he's a God of providence. And that means that he's the one who's laying this cross on us. And so you consider like the Babylonian captivity, for example, I'm just, I've been listening to Jeremiah while on my walks and uh, it's just, really strikes me how Jeremiah says says to the people, submit to Nebuchadnezzar, submit to the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, because this is God's this is God's punishment on you. But that doesn't mean that you confess their false gods. So there is that sense of um 
you know, you can sit there and wait quietly for the salvation of God while your liberal professor or mm-hmm. whoever is spewing a bunch of nonsense. And we, but, it's important to remember also in the book of Jeremiah where God said through Jeremiah that Nebuchadnezzar was his servant. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Um, and that's really key, is that um, th- these people who have uh, who have uh, really blasphemed God by making the, these 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 uh, these uh, uh, judges who have blasphemed God by making this uh, this case the, you know the redefining marriage in a in a way and this is hard to hear but this is God's judgment this is uh, you know God is not just he doesn't just let things happen he his hand is in everything. As Jesus says, not a bird falls to the, falls from the sky except for the Father's will. And so, so as you said, Nebuchadnezzar was God's servant, and he was a servant of wrath, as, as Paul describes them in, in, in Romans 13. They're servants of judgment. And, uh, and so what do we do? Well, we submit to God, and we realize that, wow, this is, um, I am not to confess the false gods of, of, uh, of the heathen, but I also should acknowledge that God will use the heathen to to chastise me, not in his wrath, but in his love as a father. And uh, and if we look at it from that, uh, again, going back to, you know, what is, what's the legacy of the Canaanites? Uh, inventing, you know, uh, inventing music and, and, uh, and, and uh, tents and, and, you know, uh, uh, all these, these great, these, these great architectural uh, projects, um, and, and uh, uh, you know, that's their legacy. What's our legacy? Christ, confessing him, being faithful to his word, which means that we should learn his word and acknowledge his word. And, um, and, and so, and I think that the, 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 a comfort in all this is that, yeah, you're going to find yourself in situations where you just don't know what to do, and, and it's going to, it's going to bother you, but the comfort is to know that that your your worth is not in how good you are at getting yourself out of bad situations. <laughs> uh, your worth is in your baptism, that you are a child of God, and that you you thereby learn to fear Him and to rely on Him, and not on your own understanding. And so, you know, to, with the, you know, going back to with my you know my parishioner who might very well have to deal with this diversity training stuff again. Well, you might find yourself in that situation, but don't deny Christ. Don't deny his word. And uh, that doesn't mean that you, I, I, I don't know, I mean, I think that you could sit through it, listen to what they're saying, but, but pray to God throughout it all that his name would be, that his name would be holy, that, that his will would be done, and uh, pray for the wisdom and the courage to, uh, to confess his name, um, and, uh, and, you know, and be a light, um, that, and, and be prepared that, and like I said before, you know, that confession, confessing God, these, these, these circumstances where we're called to confess God, they come upon us. You know, they're just, <laughs> it's not something that you can always plan out. You know, you don't get up in the morning and say, okay, so I'm going to do this and this and this, uh, in order to honor God, and I'm going to honor him in this way, it's going to work out this way, and then I'm going to, eat dinner and go to bed and everything's going to be fine. No, what do you start, what do you do when you get up? You pray, Yeah. you pray to God, you're at his mercy. And 
I think that, that is our starting point with everything. You know, the fear of God is the beginning of the wisdom, and He will give you the words to say. I mean, I know that that's a particular promise He gives to His apostles, um, but through them, He gives the same promise to us. If we are dwelling in His Word, and we're not just trying to figure out how to live in the world without being persecuted, if, you're, if that's your goal, I know, because we're going to be persecuted. Gonna, Jesus what, promised that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. If your goal is just to be accepted, mm-hmm. then you're going to end up compromising the faith. But if you are in fear and trepidation and confidence at the same time, oh. living your life in, in God's Word, in the, under His grace, and that, you're in a great spot right there. And that's a comfort to know that. Oh, we've got a caller on the line, Cheryl from Indianapolis, who is one of our regulars, and I'd love to hear what she has to say about this. Cheryl, you're on the air. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, Thank you for calling. Um, I'm calling because um, there was a, an opinion piece in the Indianapolis Star um, concerning this the court case, and it was titled, We All Lost. And then at the end of the opinion piece, um, the author said he defined um, as Christian, American, and right that we respect and value those whose beliefs and experiences are different from our own. And so I've been thinking about that all week and thinking, you know, that's not really a Christian teaching. No, it's not. <laughs> and, and, and in fact, this same person had written a number of articles on the suffering of children forced into human slavery. And he, he, he was not really respecting and valuing those who caused the children to suffer. <laughs> yeah, I, I should hope not. <laughs> and then I thought, well, as a Christian, there's really only one person whose beliefs and experiences I respect and value, and that's Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so... I was just thinking, maybe I should write to him personally. <laughs> I think that's an excellent idea, Cheryl. I do a letter to the editor or even ask to do an op-ed piece for the paper. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, that's fun. I've done it before. It's fun, believe me. Yeah, I've I'm done the it type too. of person that keeps writing and rewriting and I never come up with a product. I think that uh, Cheryl is very much... On the, on the on the right point there and and what she's really putting her finger on is uh is it, it really exposing this myth that we can be neutral and you can't the truth is not neutral jesus says yeah. you know those who do not gather with me scatter well, and that's, that's well you've heard that reality. old saying you know anytime you compromise with evil evil wins yeah exactly yeah because that because evil is divided it, that's all it knows how to do is divide and scatter and god uh-huh. unites He's, uh, um, you know, th- th- there's something that my, my dad told me. He had uh, Professor Kurt Moorcourt as a, as a teacher at the seminary in Fort Wayne. And he said that, that uh, uh, Dr. Marcourt would say, um, he would say that Christianity is the most inclusive and exclusive religion. It's, uh, it's inclusive because it includes all truth. It's exclusive because it excludes all error. And uh, and that's the thing of what, what, what Cheryl was just pointing out there is that mm-hmm. people want to they want to speak out of both sides of their mouth, 
And because what what is it, what's their goal? Their goal is just to not have to face the consequences of believing in something that's true. And so, yeah, the, yeah, the, the uh, cafeteria Christians we call them. Uh, yeah, you know, I have. Uh, I'm, I'm involved in a number of Facebook exchanges on this particular issue, and, I, and some of the uh, some of my uh, gay uh, opponents are members of, for example, the Episcopal Church or uh, ELCA, mm-hmm. where the, where those bodies don't have a problem with with gay marriage, and they say, "Well, you see, this is how a Christian should act," and I said, "No, it's not." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. I, I, I don't see how we can compromise on that. I mean, it, no. it's almost like with the abortion issue. You know, you're either for it or against it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and it's very much related to that. And you know, going to the, you know, what's the the government's role? Like, I was talking to a young man who came to church, and I had he heard me preach um, uh, about. I meant I. I mean, it wasn't my whole sermon, but I just kind of mentioned it in my sermon. Talked about. Uh, um, marriage and how marriage is under attack, um, not just through, not not only through homosexuality, but through through fornication, um, adultery, divorce, and all this stuff. And uh, and he 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 made a point to me after church that uh, that this is uh, it's a divine institution. So what does it what does it matter to us if the if you know if the if the heathen government um, you know, if they, if they if they redefine it, and I said, well, I mean, I see your point. I mean, obviously, it's true that it doesn't matter how they redefine it. But at the same time, why do we? Why is it that we are? Uh, first of all, we got to remember that we still live in the civil estate. You know, in the, in the Augsburg Confession, we we say that you can be a Christian, um, unlike the Anabaptists who taught that you can't be a Christian if you do this. But we believe that you can be a Christian and still serve in 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 government uh, in stations in the government. Um, now, obviously, that's becoming, that's, uh, in many ways, that's becoming more and more difficult. But it, why, is it, why is it of interest to us for the government to define marriage correctly? The same reason why it is of interest to us that the government should, uh, should protect the unborn. Because marriage is a creation of God. It is, it, it, it's as much of a creation of God as children are. I mean, they go together, right? So, so when God, uh, so marriage is a one flesh union. That's it's not that's not an abstract concept that we can just kind of disagree, agree to disagree on. No, that's that's life and death. That's an actual. It's real people with real consequences. And so, so I mean, we we shouldn't forget that. But at the same time, we shouldn't we shouldn't lose heart because we we will know that we know that God will not allow His institutions to be. To be thwarted, and it doesn't do us any good to try to take some neutral or quietistic kind of stance. Um, if, if, if because if we're honest with ourselves, the reason why we try to be neutral is so that we can avoid the cross. Um, now, it, that doesn't mean that we that you know one of the things that you can you can fall into is when you get so into trying to win the culture war, you can find yourself then compromising and making allies where you shouldn't be making allies. Well, we know what happened to Jehoshaphat when he did that with Ahab mm-hmm. um, against the Syrians. You know, that was, uh, he was rebuked by the, by the prophets when he got back. You don't make an alliance with someone um, who is, uh, who, who doesn't, who, you don't actually 
have agreement with. And so we find ourselves in a situation where we have to confess and we do need to support those who also confess the truth, even if we don't agree with them on other stuff. But we got to be careful that, that we don't think that somehow we have the power to, 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 to change this. Because then we're, we're basically making the same mistake then as those who, who, who redefine marriage. Because they, their whole assumption is that there's this march of mankind and that we have this power and we're going to change the world, we're going to make it a better place. No, God is the creator and sustainer of the world. <laughs> he has saved the world. He protects us. And so while he has given us our duties and whatever station in life you have to confess him, um, and that often does then work out for good for people outwardly, um, he is ultimately the one who is in charge. And he's, and, 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 that, and that's both a warning for us not to become conceited um, and proud in our own accomplishments, but also take great comfort to know that he's going to take care of us. And all he requires is faithfulness. That's all. And he gives you that faithfulness in Christ. So he gives you his word. He sustains you. He makes you faithful through his word. And so that's, it, it, we shouldn't be frantic about this. And uh, I commend Cheryl for her, uh, her comments there. She's absolutely right that the only, the only person that you can actually say and trust say is uh, is true and actually trust him is, is Jesus. And and you stick with that, you're on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so much of that is said in the uh, in the small catechism, and I really was struck by your pointing out in the Augsburg Confession that we are part of the left-hand kingdom. We do function mm-hmm. within government. Luther is very, very clear on that, that mm-hmm. there, there's a concept of vocation. Oh, boy, I tell you, we're having so much fun here, and the time is flying. <laughs> and I yeah. hate to tell you, but we are wrapping up the show. Oh, boy. Well, it was it was fun. <laughs> and I want to remind our listeners now that we've been listening to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Today's guest is Pastor Andrew Preuss, who is the pastor at St. Paul and Holy Trinity Lutheran Churches up in Iowa. Now, every Friday, a pastor sits in with me for a friendly little chat about whatever's on our minds. Now, if you have a question or a comment about the program, you can email it to us at letstalk at kfuo.org. Now, I want to give a special thanks to the Reverend Fritz Bowie for letting us use his recording of All Glory, Laud, and Honor as the theme song for Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Pastor Bowie's music and his books, he's a prolific author, are available on Amazon.com. Read his Diamond series especially. It's wonderful. I'm your host, Kip Allen, wishing you God's blessings. Listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with the pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314 996 1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.